Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Borders podcast, the podcast that explores topics related to international trade. This podcast is brought to you by Buckland. For over 70 years, Buckland has been working to help companies across the world experience global trade in a better way. As a customer-focused company, we provide you with a single source of unmatched customs brokerage, trade-managed solutions, freight forwarding, trade technologies, and warehousing and distribution services. I'm your host, Jenny Kaus, Corporate Marketing Manager here at Buckland, and today I am speaking with our special guest, Pauline Caballero. Pauline is Buckland's Chief Revenue Officer and is responsible for leading the company's sales and revenue growth strategies and initiatives to achieve the company's short and long-term goals. Pauline began her career at Buckland in 2017 and has extensive experience working with privately held organizations in a variety of industries to establish a strong culture and operating principles that drive results. With over a decade of experience in customs and logistics, she has a dynamic portfolio to support Buckland's growth. In addition to this, Pauline also has created a successful franchise in the health and wellness industry, which continues to flourish. Pauline holds a BA from the University of Toronto, as well as an MBA from York University. Thank you so much for joining me again on the Beyond Borders podcast, Pauline. Thank you so much for having me. So you are back today to once again talk about something which is a little bit different for this podcast. And as our regular listeners will know, generally we talk about things about international trade. But today we are going to talk about something that pertains to our industry, but also goes well beyond international trade, which We've done a couple times recently, and we're really enjoying this series. So one of the great things uh, I think about working at Buckland is our professional reading program. So this program is in its third year. Does that sound right, Pauline? Three years now? Yeah, that's correct. And we have been evolving this program over time. So our team members take part in this, I'll call it a virtual book club, uh, across eight locations that span three countries. It's a great way to learn about new concepts and also very importantly, connect with our colleagues. So you may have heard us talk about the art of possibility on a prior podcast, which was something our book for our professional reading program that we did in 2019. So this program is something that we focus on internally with our team but we've had some of our clients ask us about it and be interested. So we thought we would share what we're learning with our listeners. So this year, our book is the absolute classic, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. This book was released over 30 years ago, and it has sold over 30 million copies. And it's a classic for a reason. In this book, Covey outlines his seven frameworks for powerful lessons in personal change. The inside recommendations from notable people speak volumes about the power of this book, ranging from Michael Phelps, Anthony Robbins, Ariana Huffington, Stedman Graham, Marie Osmond, Seth Godin, Maya Angelou, Dave Ramsey, and many, many more. So Stephen Covey uh, defines a habit in this book as the intersection of knowledge, skill, and desire. And in the book, he displays these three images as overlapping circles. So with the part in the center where they all cross over as the habits. 
So effective habits are the internal principles and patterns of behavior. Throughout the course of the book, Covey outlines the concepts that build on each other to develop our habits in order to be the most effective that we can be. So for the month of March, we're exploring the first of the seven habits, which is be proactive. So let's talk about what it means to be proactive, Pauline. Mm, I mean, I just, I've read this book so many times and every time I open the book, I just discover something new for myself. And that's really the beautiful thing about this, as you refer to it, Jenny, as a classic. And, and I mean, the action around being productive, I don't know about you listening, but for myself, it is one of the things that I find I struggle with the most. Mm-hmm. How do I take a finite piece of time and accomplish what I feel is set to be done. I mean, we commonly see that, um, you know, being um, proactive, pardon me, is is commonly defined in regards to making something happen rather than taking the action after something happens. So even in that perspective, it's how do you identify with and predict something that'll need to happen? How do you get in front of things? Mm-hmm. And it speaks to the concept of responsibility, of really being responsible in our lives and the ability to choose. Quite often I'll have one of my staff members um, share a concern that they have um, or something that wasn't complete and put the blame outside of our department or outside of the organization. And I'm constantly looking at how can we take that accountability and put the responsibility here back with us so that we can proactively look at a situation. Yeah. And then, yeah. And really choosing the responsibility, choosing the the accountability. And most importantly, I'll say not blaming others for the results in which they're occurring. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right. so often we find ourselves even saying, "Oh, this is happening to me," yeah, and shifting <laughs> really, yeah, really shifting that framework of understanding that you actually can proactively utilize your time in a way that makes sense for you and create the results that you are looking to achieve. Yes, but that only happens when you have the ability to take responsibility. Absolutely. And I think it makes so much sense that this is where he starts in this book with this being the first habit, because as you'll, as we'll talk about, as we get into the later habits, this really is the foundational habits, which the other ones build on. So it's been very intentional the way that he has built the structure of this book, which I think is just brilliant. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, I even refer to proactiveness in our everyday life. So, for instance, when we have guests over and my sons are setting the table, proactively anticipating what the guests will need instead of waiting for them to request for that glass of water, but proactively setting. I mean, if you think of it as something as so simple as setting the table, you proactively set the environment of which your family can enjoy the dinner. Absolutely. The the plate is laid, the cutlery is down, the napkin is there. Yeah. And so how, how can you bring that into your everyday life? 
Absolutely. It's a great concept. And so in the book, Covey talks about Viktor Frankl as well. And he uses this example of Viktor Frankl to illustrate the concept of stimulus and response, which very closely relates to this idea of proactivity versus reactivity, as well as responsibility. So Viktor Frankl was from Austria, and he was a neurologist and psychiatrist, and very notably a survivor of the Holocaust. He wrote extensively about his experience in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. So what was your takeaway from the points that Covey raised about Viktor Frankl and how this concept of responsibility and stimulus and response, Colleen? Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, um, we hear a lot about it, too, in a, in a book called The Untethered Soul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Frankl made it through the Holocaust and he through some unimaginable circumstances. Through, I mean, the way in which he did that was through really taking a look at the way in which he was thinking, that mm-hmm. internal narrative in which he was scripting to himself. Yes. And, and the big takeaway from what Covey has to say around the topic of stimulus and response is really that a stimulus can be anything that happens and the response is what we do about it. And if we take that into our everyday life, what is it? Something happens, and then what do we make it mean? Mm-hmm. A person provides you with a response. How are you reacting? The power that Frankel created for himself was really in deciding what came between that stimulus and response. He was able to pause and not make his situation mean something about him Mm -hmm. or stamp his way of being in a way that he wasn't going to be able to make it through the day. You know, he went through the extraordinary visualization exercises that really helped him through the Holocaust and uh, felt that he was really more free than the captors because he was able to control his own experience and his own reaction. And, you know, to bring it into our everyday life, what is your reaction when someone as simply as cuts you off while you're driving? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is it that you make that mean? How do you handle that? When you receive news at work that isn't in favor of your opinion, are you able to pause and really see the situation in a new way? Or are you reacting to what others are doing? You may use the language to you. Yes. I think this is such a a powerful thing to consider. And I really like the example that you gave about the traffic. Um, Because I I don't know about you, but I've noticed, uh, you know, if you drive by yourself most of the time, you'll be driving with someone else and you maybe see the way that they react to something and it's different then you would handle it and you realize, oh, like we really have a choice here, how we're doing this. So someone cuts you off. Maybe the reactive approach is to victimize yourself and say, I can't believe they did that to me and be angry. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a proactive approach, you might think um, they cut you off like, oh my gosh, I've done that before. I'm sure they weren't doing that intentionally. And you don't see yourself as impacted by it. Hopefully, even though it happened, everyone is safe. 
and let's just all hope we get where we're going. That there's no malicious intent. These are just things that happen. We all subject ourselves to being part of traffic by driving. Right. Exactly. It's a pretty big shift. And I think it's a shift that if you focus on it and bring it into your life can have some pretty, pretty profound effects on your thinking, I would say. Yeah. And, and the other side of it is, um, how can you shift the internal dialogue to proactive language? Mm -hmm. Like I'm choosing this. I will. What other way can there be? And, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, I have an older son that is quite um, into hockey and he's a goaltender, of course, (laughs) the most challenging role on the team. And, his goalie coach coaches him whenever he lifts in a goal and the result of the game is a loss. His coaching to him is to shift the language with, I didn't come up with the result I was looking for mm. distinct from I, I lost a game. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I just invite us all to look at that. Where can we shift our language to, Oh, I I'm choosing to, and yes. I will versus there's nothing that I can do. I'm completely helpless. And I think uh, that, that this makes me so mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a great, a great thing to remind us to is the whole, um, and this is something that Covey gets into in this chapter is this concept around how powerful the reactive and proactive language is. And it's so powerful to do this introspection and to look at it in your own life. So there is a chart in the book and I thought it was so cool because it goes through examples on one side of reactive language and then on the other side, proactive language. So there were some examples on the reactive language side, like, well, there's nothing I can do. Well, he makes me so mad or I can't. And these kind of powerful statements, they really reinforce that reactive language and it shapes the way that we see situations and how we make decisions about how we react to stimulus. And even as I was just reading you that list, I can feel it in myself of how it makes me feel where it takes all power away from me and all responsibility away from me and puts it external and puts me in that victim mindset. And then, you know, as you just mentioned, kind of on the other side of this with the proactive language, you gave some some great examples of I choose, I will. Um, I think that that's so, and you think about just how that feels to yourself when you say those things how different that feels. I think that's such an important distinction. Mm-hmm. Completely. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that, you know, in terms of these concepts of really being responsible, Covey points out that that reactive language also becomes very self-fulfilling. So when you make these negative reactive um, statements, it really sends to reinforce that mindset within the person stating it or even thinking about it. And, you know, it's kind of a funny example, but I think about this a lot. And I think about it as we say these things. Have you ever been somewhere and maybe there's a sidewalk, but it's become very apparent that a lot of people take a different route because the grass has gotten worn down in a very specific path, we'll say. And that's how I've come to think about it with these thoughts that when you keep having these thoughts, they reinforce and create this very uh, easy to go down route, right? And we want to 
create a route that is better. So our brain will start having these more positive ways of thinking about things. Right. I mean, I, I really um, want to stress the importance of understanding that our words create our reality mm-hmm. and taking that choice. Like I loved your analogy here with um, the brass. And once you start to continue on with a certain set of language, it's easy to repeat that same action. So the flip side of that is shifting to more proactive language is it's a muscle that needs to be built. It's a practice and it's something in which we need to catch ourselves day in and day out. hundred percent. I agree. So another concept that is related um, that Covey talks about in this chapter And it is circle of concern and circle of influence. And I will fully admit, this is one that took me a bit of work to understand. I had to reread it a couple times to really understand the distinctions. But I'm going to do my best to explain it. And you chime in if you have something to add. Sound good, Pauline? Yeah, sounds great. Okay. So I'm going to start with the circle of concern. So the circle of concern can include a wide range of concerns that you would have. So this could be things like your kids, your finances, maybe work issues, maybe the upcoming elections, your health, anything. You can, if you start listing out things to be concerned about, I would imagine we would have a, a decent sized list in no time. So when you take a look at all of those things that if you were going to write them and put them all in a circle you could very quickly start to identify the things that you can do something about or have some type of control over and the things that you don't. So those items that you have some control over, they would fall into a smaller circle of influence. So this becomes an important distinction to make when you're thinking about anything that could be a concern, does it fall into the larger circle of concern or into the smaller circle of influence that you have impact on? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Proact- like, proactivity is definitely all about uh, focusing on the circle of influence. And people who focus on the things they can do something about tend to be more positive. Mm-hmm. And, and what that results in is that it results in their circle of influence to increase Mm -hmm. right I mean and then if you think about those who are more reactive they I mean would naturally spend more time focused on their their circle of concern yeah you know and the really interesting thing about the negative approach which involves focusing on the weakness of others maybe even blaming others. And it's generally a a victim approach and it really results in their circle of influence to shrink. And I think it's a really important point to look at. I heard someone recently say, your net work is your net worth. Hmm, That's interesting. And so if you think of that concept from the place of a shrinking circle of influence, What's the impact in the long term in your life? What's the impact in your career? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in general, all of these concepts, like, and I mean, there is much more in this chapter, certainly. These are kind of some of the core concepts that when we looked at this chapter really stood out for us. And 
it really, you know, starting with this habit one, be proactive. It makes me excited. And I, you know, to keep going with this book and learn more, I do highly recommend that listeners check out this book. If you haven't already, um, it's so full of incredible insights and really tangible ways to apply these concepts in your life. And I, I, have read this book, um, a couple years ago and I'm rereading it now and getting entirely new things out of it. So I do encourage you to check it out. And you know what I really liked was the, at the end of the chapter, the challenge to go 30 days living in proactivity and function only from your circle of influence rather than your circle of concern. I think it'd be a really uh, interesting thing as well to examine just even your language for those telltale signs of proactive or reactive language. Yeah, absolutely. I love that challenge. I mean, just really taking it on and being mindful of your words. I'm going to try it out. So Pauline, if you hear me being reactive, you let me know. Perfect. Game on. Yeah, game on. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation, Pauline. I really appreciate it. You know what, Jenny, thank you so much for having me. And I just want to take a moment to congratulate you on a pivotal moment here with the podcast with episode 50, five zero. Yeah, it's so great. Thank you. And congratulations to the whole team. We have an awesome team here who has made this happen by being amazing guests and sharing so much knowledge. So uh, thank you for that. And I pass those congratulations on to everybody who's made it happen. Thank you. That's the Beyond Borders podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our guest, Pauline Caballero, for joining us to discuss Buckland's professional reading program selection of the seven habits of highly effective people and our focus on the first habit, which is be proactive. If you're looking for more resources related to international trade, check out buckland.com and click on the learning section across the top of the website. Here, you're going to find a range of resources, including learning guides, webinars, and podcasts. Our downloadable learning guides include IncoTerms charts, common trade terminology, how to avoid border delays, and many more. We also host live monthly webinars, invite you to sign up online to secure your spot for an informative presentation, followed by a live Q&A session. The best way to keep up to date on all of the resources is through our weekly newsletter. So we send out a newsletter every single Wednesday containing our latest resources, as well as a roundup of the latest trade news delivered straight to your inbox. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us through our website's contact us page or through Twitter, where our handle is at Buckland Tweets, on LinkedIn company page, or on our Instagram at Buckland Insta. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Borders podcast and be sure to tune in again and subscribe for more great conversations about importing, exporting, and everything else in the world of logistics and international trade. Yay. Good job. These are really fun to record. I like doing these ones.